Chile Today podcast. I'm Bethany Francis. And I'm Alicia Lubin. We're two broads living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. We explore Chilean news, cultural topics, travel, business, and more. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-weekly English-speaking Chilean news podcast. Great job. You nailed that. Thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> How are you? You know, I'm I'm good. I feel like my life is changing. The priorities of my life have changed. Now when I do online shopping, I online shop for uh pantuflas, house shoes, and pajama pants. Like that's the highlight of my week. Have you been successful? Um yes. Yeah. So I bought some house shoes from Home Center. And not home center, I lie. Homey, nope, not that either. Casi this. <laughs> Those are all and places that existed. And they arrived within a day. Wow. Yeah. Okay, noted. Yeah. So, uh, pro tip if you want to order something um, for your home, go with Casi this because my little house shoes got here in, in a day. So, that was legit. Um, I also bought sheets this week for my bed um, because I had this thought that I was like, I'm going to improve my home. And one of my friends was like, you know, you should strip your sheets, which is where you put your sheets and you soak them in borax and some other chemicals and it takes all the toxins out. Yeah. And it apparently like turns the the water black because our sheets are disgusting because we're humans and we sleep on them. And then you glow at night because of all the chemicals. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And anyway, I had all of the intentions to do that. And then they were like, well, borax is actually pretty hard to find. I was like, fuck it. I'll just buy some sheets. <laughs> but then I found out that sheets are actually pretty, like good sheets are pretty expensive in Chile and pretty hard to find. Oh, insanely expensive. It's yes. a crime. Yes. And I even got so frustrated because I was looking at, because my boyfriend was being like, go look at this website and look at that website. And look, I, I looked at seven websites and I didn't, I wasn't even that, I feel like picky. I was just like, okay, I need at least 200 thread count, which wasn't mm-hmm. even really my thing. My boyfriend was like, I need 200 thread count on my delicate skin. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then like cotton. Okay. Cotton 200 thread count, not a big, not that big of a deal. And everything was either like 57,000 pesos or it was solid white sheets. And I was like, I'm not about to buy some solid white sheets when I know they're just going to turn gray from apparently all the toxins that live in my skin. Yeah. So I faced the same thing when I moved out here. I rented an Airbnb for just a bit until I got settled and I didn't want to sleep on their sheet just because there were some um, mystery stains that it came with. And yeah. I went to the mall and I hadn't really figured out conversions yet. And I was like, okay, like a new comforter. I'll, I'll get that. It seems like it's priced. Well, I, no, I, I should have done the conversion. Well, it is insane how expensive they are. So expensive. And I got so frustrated because I've been looking because in the U S it's so freaking easy to find sheets. It's so easy. And I know I'm being like the U S is a man. Yeah, I, I get it. It's annoying when gringos do that, but I seriously could go to whatever store, department store, Walmart, whatever, and I could just be like, I'll take these sheets, and they will be at least 200 thread count, and they will be what you need, and they'll be like maybe 
10, 15 bucks. Like, right. So, I mean, and Mao, my boyfriend didn't believe me. And I went on the Walmart website and I was like, look, these even have little paltas on it. And you like palta. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> anyway, so we had this whole fiasco. I ended up ordering some sheets from, I think Canon, which is apparently one of the good brands here. Um, after like three hours of looking and then the next day Mao went to Walmart to the leader and found freaking cheats at the leader for like 20,000 pesos, 200 thread count, all cotton that are gray. And I was like, what? Did you pay more than that? Yes. I paid like 45,000 pesos for these freaking sheets from Betty's. And I was like, Oh my God, because they were the only like within three and a half hours or however long I was like, fighting with my boyfriend about sheets which is so weird because he was like it has a Jonah thread count and I was like I don't even care if they're plastic ah anyway Chile's stressing me out that's all I'm trying to say right now Bethany I'm so sorry to hear about your struggles this week (laughs) these are the it's the only exciting thing that's happened to me this week in quarantine the great sheet debacle yes so um thank you for listening listeners and Alicia what has been happening with you Alicia well, I have not ordered any new sheets. Um, I've just been trying to read more, and sometimes I'm successful. I decided I should probably start working out this week. Um, and so, you know, just trying to integrate little positive routines into my day. Mm. But now that I know that Casi Deus is uh, delivering, you know, I'll just therapy shop my way through next week. We'll continue to provide you with some more shopping updates because we don't really know how long this is going to last. Bethany just pointed out that she's on week 17. We're going into week 17. Girl, yeah, I'm going into week 17 in quarantine. I don't remember how to socialize with people. I was on a Zoom call with my friends the other day and realized that I was just like manic speaking because I needed to talk to other people. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? One of my friends said she's going to forget how to socialize in public because she's going to go out to a bar and be like, my pants are a little uncomfortable. Just take them off in the middle of a bar because she's so used to drinking (laughs) by herself. And it's like, yeah, I can see that happening. Just going out in socks. It's going to happen. Totally. Absolutely. The style is going to change. The quarantine's persisting because there have been some number updates, some COVID number updates. Um, as of right now, there are over 236,000 cases, um, 5,355 of which are new. There have been 4,295 deaths. However, I read a report today that said that the Chilean Health Ministry um, hasn't quite confirmed, but there are possibly 3,000 more deceased people um, from Chile whose death is suspected to be from COVID-19. So their tests are still pending, but with those numbers included, the total death count in Chile would surpass 7,000. Oh man, that's crazy. Especially for how small the population is. Exactly. I feel like we're gonna we're heading towards herd immunity. Like that's the goal of the chilling the chilling government or something. Like just let them all get it. I mean, I don't know. Well, they have been talking and they're trying to take steps forward. So hopefully they can figure out some solutions soon. Mm-hmm. And as our Chilean 
livers, people who live in Chile, know going into this week, we have much stricter guidelines on, on how and when you can leave your apartment or your homes. So that's two permisos, two permits a week to leave, include, and that includes permits for your dogs. Right, not ideal for dog owners. No, absolutely not. Um, dog owners are encouraged to let their animals either go out front of the apartment, but they have to arrange that with the tenants themselves or with the apartment owners themselves, administration, um, or your pet will have to go to the bathroom inside of the apartment. Especially yes, if you don't they're saying, video. yes. I, wh- did you read that thing on the internet that some girl like called the Carabineros and were like, hey, bro, I got a... I got a dog. What do I do? I can't just do two permisos a week to take my dog out because it shits more than twice a week. And they were like, oh, just put it on the patio. And it was like, I don't have a patio. (laughs) What do I do? And they were like, oh, well, that's not my problem. Why'd you have a dog? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What is this? And also, Um, I feel like when you're out taking your dog for a walk, you really don't come in contact with people. I mean, maybe a someone will cross the street because I, when I've taken my pup out, um, we're, I mean, if you see somebody, you're very conscious and you just go either the other direction or you cross the street, but it's not like you meet up and start having all these conversations. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just wondering the you're thought making out with other that. dog owners. Exactly. <laughs> you're avoiding them. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we're joking about it, but I don't know. It's hard. Like, it's people are continuing to get sick. I don't know how to prevent it. I wish it wouldn't happen. And, and people have also been abusing the permisos, right? Like they've been using them to meet up with friends and have parties. Like they have parties in my yep. building sometimes. So yeah. maybe if we can all just do a little better and cooperate. <laughs> right. And when you live in Las Condes or Vitacura, um, some of the more, um, some of the areas that have more medical resources, it's not as life-threatening as somebody who lives in areas where hospitals can't meet the demand. And I think it's important to be aware of how you can affect those people as well. Yeah. And also um, talking with some of my friends, the tests in Chile also aren't free or the places that are offering for them for free have like lines outside, which is of course just adding to the exposure. Right. And so people are going like, look, I already don't have a job. I can't go get tested. I feel fine, even though my dad has it. So I'm probably fine, even though they're maybe asymptomatic and they're still doing what they need to do. It's just a a vicious cycle is all I'm trying to say. But we'll keep you all updated. And for some quick information and more details into coronavirus in Chile, you can visit um, chilitoday.cl. They have some really great mm-hmm. reporting and they'll keep you up to date on what you need to know for quarantine measures, numbers of coronavirus in Chile, as well as political information, cultural information. Um, you can also check them out on Instagram at Chile Today. What a good plug. I liked it. Thanks. <laughs> Another decision was made this week. Um, Some good news. An insurance company that refused to pay out for medical expenses for a client with Down syndrome, the company now must compensate all of the patient's medical bills. 
So according to the Chilean Supreme Court, Down syndrome is not a disease and the client should be treated like any other person. What had happened was the father had filed against the insurance company, um, Colmena, over its refusal to cover medical expenses for his son with Down syndrome. The company's reason was that um, they argued that Down syndrome is an illness and that the insured therefore had hidden his illness when signing the policy, um, which is just ridiculous. But Like a pre-existing condition situation. Right, exactly. They're saying that it like that it, he couldn't cover this person because he had this unrelated, um, they said that they called it a disease. So um, the Supreme Court argued in its ruling that the father of the child with Down syndrome was not obligated to either inform or declare to the insurance company that his son was diagnosed with the syndrome. Government spokeswoman Carla Rubiar called the ruling from the Supreme Court historic. She said, today we took another step in building a more inclusive Chile. The Supreme Court's decision to rule that Down syndrome is not an illness will allow people to have complete health coverage and greatly alleviate the economic burden on their families. Wow. Well, I'm surprised that that hadn't been done sooner. I'm shocked. And I mean, it could be because it's case by case still, but this is a step in the right direction for sure. The feminist group Las Tesis has been sued by the Carabineros de Chile, Chile's national police force, who they filed a lawsuit against the well-known Chilean feminist collective. So you might remember these women as the ones who wrote a rapist in your path that went viral yep. during the, during October. Um, they wrote a song with the Russian activist group Pussy Riot. Uh, do you know Pussy Riot? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah! So they wrote a song with Pussy Riot in call, uh, entitled Trece Doce, or thirteen twelve, which is an acronym for ACAB, All Cops Are Bastards. Um, and it was released in May. Um, in the song, they speak out against police brutality and violence and repression from the institution. Um, the police allege that the song is inciting violence against them because originally the song had a phrase that said, quote, fire to the police. Um, however, um, this has been removed from the song. The representative um, of the police force that filed this said that this is, quote, a direct and public incitement to act violently against members of the Carabineros de Chile. Even uh, They're keeping the lawsuit even though they've already removed that uh, part of the song. So that's happening. <laughs> that's interesting. Um what are the laws for free speech in Chile? Do you know? Apparently not. I mean, no, really, I don't know. I know they, they, I know that they have freedom of speech laws, but I really feel, and this is just a feeling and not any sort of information-based uh, statement, is that there's definitely limitations. I mean, immigrants can't speak their minds. We, we would lose our citizenship or our visas. Um, right. I'm assuming, and that's because anything that incites violence against the government is, is, is that sort of that law with immigrants. And so I'm assuming something similar happens with uh, institutions, but it doesn't really make sense, does it? Because I, I don't really understand the the legal, the, le the and it might just be symbolic, you know, it probably nothing will happen. Right. It's like them saying like Mon Leferte was like 
this terrorist is she's not she's a singer you know that's supporting a movement and so i think it's just symbolic like the the police force coming out and being like we don't agree with this and and we're gonna waste some tax money yeah then be butthurt about it just butthurt that that this this amazing group of women have gotten famous internationally famous and now it's like working with pussy riot that's amazing so yeah but yeah they're embarrassed because their actions are now well known internationally yeah you know before they could kind of hide and now they can't you know yeah i mean people are looking at the carabineros the chile the um, the institution and then i mean just the police internationally because of what's happening in the u.s also like calling out police brutality and how perhaps these institutions are archaic in the way that they are, are run and, and that um, there could, there's, there are better ways to deal with, um, with people and, and protests and, and organizations. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, stop shooting people in their eyes and blinding them. And how about stop murdering people about you? Yeah, how about right. also that people? <laughs> then maybe, uh, uh, maybe the institution would be liked more. Hey, maybe you'd get positive songs written about you. Who could yeah, think? maybe if if I had both eyes. I mean, I do. I'm just being, you know, you know what I'm saying. So the previous minister of women, which we have talked about on this podcast, I think before, um, she, uh, her Macarena Santalices, she has resigned and she was only in office for a month. She was very controversial because she was the niece of Pinochet and for other reasons too, she's become um, more controversial. Uh, and she resigned after a month in, um, in office. Uh, one of the controversies besides the fact that she was, you know, related to a dictator who murdered a lot of people um, was the fact that she made a anti-abuse video. Alicia, have you heard of this video? Is that the one with the old man? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, I, I know of this video. Yeah, so the video was controversial because, so if you haven't seen it, it's on the Chile Today. There's an article about it on chiletoday.cl and the video's on there too. Because the Chilean government removed the video because it was so controversial, the video was like an old man who was like writing a letter to his granddaughter about how he used to be an abuser, but now that he notices that his granddaughter's being abused, he is sorry that he abused his wife who is now dead. And it's like, oh, well, glad you're sorry now that she's dead (laughs) also strange that they chose to use the abuser's perspective and that no women are featured in the video yeah there's there's zero women in the video and so it immediately was controversial and i mean it's just exasperating like had, did you talk to any abused women when you decided to make this this video and ask them how it made them feel knowing that we're supposed to feel bad for the old abused man? Like, or sorry, the abuser. Like, that's what it, like, evokes. It's like, well, feel bad for this old man because his he feels bad that he was bad. Like, I don't, I don't understand the goal here. It was really bizarre. And I think that's why it was swiftly removed. Um, not just so tone deaf. It makes Um, sense. All of it makes sense. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we have a little spark of hope. We're going to get a new minister of women. Not so fast. 
women of Santiago, Chile slash Chile, the country, the new Wimister of men, women, Wimister, the Wimister, Wimister, is Monica Salquet Dean. Oh wait, nope, nope, nope. Monica Salquet, Salquet, and she is already receiving. um, a lot of backlash, especially from feminist movements. Um, she was a huge, um, um, anti-supporter. She was not a supporter of the Tres Cosuales, the three exceptions for abortion, which if you don't know what that is in Chile, abortion is illegal except for three exceptions, which is, I believe if the fetus is life's in danger, if the mom's life's in danger, or the fetus is unviable. Those are the only um, ways you can get an abortion in Chile. And that law was passed, I think, two years ago. And she was against even having abortions for those reasons. So she was like, what? The mom's life's in danger? Well, fuck the mom. Fetus. Oh, that's crazy. So she was against that. And she also has been on record calling an 11-year-old child who had a baby very brave for not deciding not to have an abortion. Very brave. Very brave oh, 11-year-old God. child. So this is our new minister of women uh, that we now have. So we'll see how long she lasts. Should we, should we place bets? We can do that off the episode. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my, yes. God, I need to bet on things. This is – oh, oh, my gosh. Why haven't I thought of getting addicted to betting while I'm in quarantine? Hey, I've been playing online poker. So, I mean, if you want the website, it has just been adding so much joy to my life. I was playing online Monopoly and then it crashed. And then I spent 20 bucks on another online Monopoly that also crashed. So what does my life even mean? It's, is the world trying to tell me capitalism is not good for me to participate in, even on a fantastical scale? I don't know. I mean, smart of you to be playing with fake money, though. I'll give kudos for that. <laughs> playing with real money in this economy what are you talking about alicia (laughs) (laughs) okay so before we get started i just want to put a little like trigger warning that we are going to be talking about serial killers and and um violators and rapists and so if that makes you uncomfortable we totally understand um so you know, feel free to check out at this point. We really appreciate you listening to the news section of the podcast and we'll be back next week with something a little lighter. So, um, like I said, if, if violence or anything like that bothers you, um, this might not be the episode for you. So, uh, we understand. Um, and yeah. So I think y'all are all going to love our topic for, uh, for today. We're going to talk about serial killers in Chile. Yeah. So first off, we have the Vino del Mar psychopaths. Uh, thank you, producer Diego, for the suggestion. The background, um, Jorge Sagredo Pizarro and Carlos Top Collins murdered 10 people between August 5th, 1980 and November 1st, 1981 in the city of Vino del Mar. They were actually both policemen. Like former policemen or like? At the time they were cops. Wait, what year was this? This was in 1981. So full on dictadura. 
And what tip, what kind of started the investigation? Um, Juan Quijada, he was also a police officer. Um, he filed a complaint and that was key to finding the two psychopaths. In July 1980, while on duty, uh, he received a call from a patrol car at El Sausalito Stadium. He was told that two stalkers were assaulting couples, but he didn't really have any suspicions at that point. Wait, because, two stalkers you know, or two soccer players? Two stalkers. Stalkers? I heard soccers. Two soccer <laughs> players. Um, no, two stalkers <laughs> were assaulting couples. Um, okay. Yeah, that's point, way worse. There were crimes in the area, so he didn't really have any. He was just like, okay, like we'll treat this like any other investigation. One month later, um, a professor and his partner were attacked on El Oliva Road, where the guy was shot and the woman was raped. Um, one night in December 1980, um, a gentleman from the army arrived at the police station and said he was assaulted and shot by two guys near Sausalito. Quijada recalled that um, one of the people, had, one of the attackers had been wearing a dark short jacket with a wide zipper, jeans, and boots, um, and that he had had like a hard look and was really stubborn. That's what the report said. And on February 28th of the following year, there was a third attack, and it was in the parking lots of Estero Marga Marga. Um, and there, the police discovered two half-naked corpses in a car. Mm. At this point, Quijada okay. um, had kind of noticed. Um, I don't know for sure, to be honest. Maybe. I'm assuming that's typically what serial killers go for. I know, right? I'm not entirely sure on that, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, at this point, Quijada had started to interact with Sagredo in locker rooms, and he started a conversation and began to gain Sagredo's trust. Um, he started to pursue this new lead because Sagredo had been talking to him and his double life, Sagredo's double life had become evident because he started talking to Quijada about the fact that he would go out and steal in the buses at night and that he often behaved inappropriately towards women. Mm -hmm. So um, in May of 1981, a taxi driver was killed um, and there was also a housewife who had been murdered. Oof. At this point, Sergueiro had been kind of sharing more information, um, and he had a kind of knew about Top Collins, and he was concerned because the woman's version of the story included two attackers. So he suspected Sagrado but didn't really know what to do, and the, and the crimes continued. He arranged a meeting with Sagrado, and they met on Sunday in a police station, and they began talking. Um, he knew that he should have done something then, but he was worried that he wouldn't be believed. By July, the Viña del Mar psychopaths had added two new deaths and another rape to their reign of terror. And Quijada is very suspicious of the duo at this point. And he kind of questioned Top Collins. Top Collins came back and led to Sagredo. And so Quijada set up another meeting with Sagredo. Um, Sagredo began venting and boasting that Top Collins wanted to leave this like operation, but he forced him to continue. He was like, I'm the ringleader. I'm going to make you keep doing this. Um, on November 1st, a couple or there was a murder couple and they were discovered underneath a bridge. And that day Sagredo hadn't shown up to work. 
Two days later, Quijada was like, okay, like, I feel like I have some strong evidence against these two people. And so he began to speak with um, an intelligence officer. He told the officer about all of the facts, but nothing happened. The officer explained that the people in Santiago didn't believe him. And at this point, yeah, at this point, Quijada had kind of been a low-ranking officer, which none of that really made sense because I feel like they should, I mean, if a cop is talking about another cop, like they should investigate it, right? So I don't know if there's like some brotherhood stuff going on there. I mean, yeah, yeah. we've seen. I mean, also this was full on dictadora, dictatorship. Cops totally just going out in the street and murdering people for no reason. So doing whatever they wanted to do. People were disappearing anyway. So back then. God, to be a cop back during the dictatorship. Ah, man. The height of. Like, how scary that would be. I mean. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> My point being that, you know, say you are one of the be, good guys. To, yeah. To, being a cop that wanted to catch people who, a person or people in this case, who were obviously murdering without abandon other people. Right. And, right. So how do you do a good job when basically no one's listening to you or they're turning a blind eye to everything and you're seeing all these injustices? Like, how do you move? You have to move very carefully yeah. you yourself. Yeah. You become a good target. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Totally. Because one day, um, he was actually out jogging, and a black car with four police officers rolled up on him and asked <gasps> him to come talk with them. Dun, dun, they, dun! They went to Renaka, this part. They had some drinks, <clears throat> and then his testimony was recorded. That part was interesting. Like, yeah, not super professional. We're just going to get you a little liquored up and then ask you for your testimony. God, that's, that's full on, like, when I want to find out the tea from one of my girlfriends, I'm like, you know, you don't have to tell me. It's fine. I totally, I totally get it. You know what? Let's just go to a bar. I'll buy you a drink. It's fine. It's fine. You don't have to tell me. I wonder what this guy's thinking, you know, like, no one believed him. Then he gets rolled up on in, like, this undercover car, and four people start questioning him and shoving liquor in his face, and then they want to record him. You know, that could have gone two different ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, but gosh. this time they believed him. So in March, um, Sagredo and his accomplice, Top Collins, were arrested. This part was kind of confusing to me. So there's another man, Luis Diaz, and he was charged and tortured to confess. So from what That's- that sounds like to me, they tortured him into a confession um, yeah. to arrest him, but he was later released. Yeah, I mean, it's been proven that torture actually works, like, in the opposite way. It gets people to confess to things that aren't true. So that sounds exactly like what happened. So Sagredo and Top Collins are upset, and they realize that Quijada had betrayed them, you know, because he had gotten close to them. They would share some of their deepest secrets with him. And so they turned on Quijada and was like, no, he was an accomplice all along. Like, this was his idea. And so they led the police back to him. They're like, he's just trying to not get in trouble. So he was actually arrested, but had enough evidence in his favor that he was released. He then retired from the police department after 25 years and currently lives on retirement money. Wait, what? Yeah, he retired, I guess, after that. And I was confused about the timeline on from when they had arrested him to after he retired. But, I mean, he was released and just retired normally. Wait, I missed that. The murderer was released? 
Nope. Um, Kihata. So the murderers oh. were arrested and then gotcha. they tried to blame Kihata. So Kihata was arrested, but um, he obviously was clean and so he got let go. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. They weren't just asked to resign. It wasn't like how the U.S. handles murdering cops. <laughs> you, should, you should resign from murdering, <laughs> please. So Sagredo <laughs> and Top Collins were declared guilty on March 12th. They were sentenced to death. Um, dictator Augusto Pinochet denied their clemency, so they were shot on January 29th, 1985. So I read that this was the last execution in Chile before the death penalty was replaced. Mish. That's interesting. That, that was the last execution. Interesting. I mean, last execution. Okay. Yeah. Last execution well, yeah. of a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With uh, due process. <laughs> with due last process. execution. With due process. Fantastic um, clarification. <laughs> yeah it, yeah that's interesting yeah because there's no death penalty in in chile so which is it's also interesting to me um not that i'm a supporter of the death penalty i actually have no idea where i stand on the death penalty so actually which is weird because you usually have very strong opinions about everything that exists everywhere which is crazy that these guys kept popping up in these odd scenarios and a yeah, police and it's officer reported them yeah, and it's weird because they didn't seem to have, like, an M.O. It's like they killed this person here, and this, and this is taxi driver, and then this is person, and it doesn't really seem to have, like, and it's a, also a couple of dudes, which is also very weird for a serial killer that it has, a, that they have a partner. Right, and it sounds like the one partner was trying to get out of it, so, you know, you have, like, the insecure people that are going to follow these aggressive leaders at any cost, so you get a little bit of that in there as well, so horrible what happened to those 10 people but thankfully justice was served bang bang right yep so amazing story thank you i love um hearing about those things i am fascinated with psychopaths so very interesting was there did you find out uh, what are your theories about this did you find out anything about like why they did this nope i didn't um it just they're crazy i guess like they are aggressive and evil um because you know they were murdering people they were raping people so they were stealing Mm -hmm. i mean obviously the lesser of the offenses but it sounds like they were just messed up yeah well i also have a messed up guy um his name is julio perez silva and he was also from the valparaiso region he was a legit serial killer. Like he had an MO, like he fit the serial killer profile. Um, and he was active between 98 and 2001. And he's known as the psychopath from Alto Auspicio. And his, um, uh, he had a lot of crimes in Iquique and the town of Alto Auspicio, um, hence the nickname. And he killed 14 women. Ugh. So this guy's a piece of shit. Gross. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about his background. Um, the victims are obviously more important, but I think his background is pretty interesting. So Julio Perez Silva was born on July 15th, 1963 in Puchun, Cavi, in the Valparaiso region. So his dad worked for the mining company, but was fired because he was a drunken asshole. And um, eventually uh, Julio, the father senior died of cancer but at that point 
Julio Jr. had already begun to kill women. Already snapped. He, yeah, he had already it already turned into or gotten full blown Pokemon evolutioned into a psychopath. So, um, people who knew Julio Jr., the son, the the killer. Uh, said that he was quiet, um, talking little about personal matters, and that he didn't know many people. He, they said that he, one of the limited uh, topics of conversation that he had were about cars. And um, after he finally arrived to Alto Hospicio, he worked as a construction worker, and he bought um, different cars, starting with a gray Nissan and finally a Corolla, which were eventually both confiscated. Um, Lots of witnesses affirm that he talked about um, his biggest wish of buying a van so that he could transport himself during um, his jobs. Hint, hint. But he eventually became unemployed and he bought a van for his taxi. Hint, hint. Yeah. Um, okay, there's a few reasons to buy a van. Yeah, it's that said that it was going to be in his quote, unofficial taxi. Um, And it was this taxi that allowed him to terrorize to people where he lived in, or women where he lived in. Um, Boop, bop, beep. More about him that I don't care about. Um, uh, He was described as a a good-looking but indifferent um, some people said he often was seen parked at the corner of houses hidden and listening to ranchero music. I don't know why that's important. Um, <laughs> but he was also on a soccer team and people would like notice that he often changed his appearances, his appearance like drastically, like he maybe had like a beard and then like shaved it or like had a lot of hair and then cut it. Um, and then women started disappearing from the town. Um, on, on September 16, 1998, he picked up Graciela Saravia. She was 17 years old um, at Iquique's coastal area. In his confession, he said that he offered her money for sex and that everything was fine until he claims that she tried to rob him. And so um, he beat her until she was dead and he left her body on the beach. So this was his first, uh, supposedly his first victim. Um, A few months later, he, um, Macarena Sanchez, a 14 years old, who's just, that's such a a baby, 14 years old. She's Mm -hmm. walking from her house to school um, and she was in eighth grade. Um, At this time, a white car van, pulled up to her and offered her a ride to school for very, very cheap. And since the bus routes were really irregular in town, the young girl was afraid of being late. Um, and so she got in his car and she was never seen again. The same thing happened to Laura Solo Hernandez, 15 years old, uh, Catherine Arce Rivera, 16 years old, Patricia Palma, 17, um, and Macarena Montesinos, 15, and finally Viviana get a mo 16 years old oh they're just babies just babies um there's also he was um and and also always with the 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 same mo uh the parents there's also i want to talk about the victims here there's also sarah gomez cueves and angelica ley alcayata ornella linares 
Cespeda, Ange I'm sorry if I'm butchering these, Angelica Palapa Castro, Daisy Castro Mamani, uh, Gisela Malgarejo Navarro, uh, and uh, Yvonne Carrillo Lefno. Um, I think it's really important uh, for, I, I personally just want to make sure that the victims' names are out there. And unfortunately, the, all of these girls were from really poor families. Um, and so the police didn't pay much attention, even though they all disappeared and they all went to the same school and were about the same age. Wow. Um, yeah. So the parents of the girls reported the disappearances to the police, uh, but months went by and nobody helped them. Um, and nobody even looked for clues to find out their whereabouts because at first they didn't know where the bodies were. Uh, the first hypothesis the authorities considered um, was that they were simply runaways um, and that they did all of them, just all of them, all of them from the same school and the same age just ran away um, because the Carabineros said that it was common in the houses of extremely poor people to run away from their abusive situations. But this hypothesis was eventually dropped as the parents denied that there was ill treatment, abuse, and, and too much poverty. And they searched for their daughters tirelessly for two years. The second hypothesis considered by the police uh, consisted of um, that they thought that these girls had been trafficked as white slaves to neighboring countries such as Peru and Bolivia um, because of maybe that they were um, uh, they were involved in like a prostitution ring um but they couldn't find any evidence of this so um at the time they there was the parents pleaded to president ricardo lagos um so he could speed up inquiries um it's very interesting because none of at no point did they consider that this was a serial killer which you know this once again it's it's very obvious that it's a serial killer. You know, the same same types of girls from the same neighborhood, same age, right. same MO, going to school and disappearing. Um, the, all of the teenagers were between 14 and 17. They, Like I said, they all went to the same school. They even all looked the same. Um, they had long, dark hair. Um, they all disappeared within a seven-month period. And at no point did the, the police consider that this was a... Um, um, a serial killer. Um, eventually, after several years, um, the they finally said that this could be a possible um, series of assassinations, and this was then later confirmed because of the proven repetitive pattern. Um, uh, and um. Beep, boop, bop. Oh, yeah. So the way that they caught him was because on Thursday, the 9th of October, Barbara Nunez Barrios, who was 13 years old, who went to the same school, um, she was picked up by a clandestine taxi who offered to give her a ride to school um, for very little money. And uh, he turned off of the road to the outskirts of town and threatened her with a knife. And then he raped her. And he hit her until he thought she was dead and threw out her body. This girl is a freaking hero. Um, he threw her into a mine shaft that was 15 oh meters God. down and 20 kilometers away from the nearest town. She laid there unconscious 
for five hours until she made her way out and reached the town. She reached freaking, she traveled 20 kilometers after being basically beaten to death to the nearest town. She's a freaking hero. And so she immediately went to the cops and she told um, everything about what happened to her. Um, And she, um, and the description pointed to Julio Perez Silva, who's 38 years old and he was arrested. Um, he, at the time he didn't have a criminal record. Um, and so a lot of his neighbors tried to defend him saying that he had never demonstrated any strange behavior. And, um, even though he had been accused of raping women previously. Wow. Um, initially the, uh, initially Julio denied the charges. Um, but he was tortured and, um, which, once again, not always the best way to get in- true information out of a um, out of a person you're interviewing. However, um, he did show them where the bodies were. So when he admitted to killing them, he could correctly identify where the bodies were. Not all of the bodies were found because he put them mainly in mine shafts. Oh. Um, but he did find a lot of the bodies the police said that he never cried or mentioned anything about having regrets he never said he was sorry um and when the police asked him why he had done it he said that he didn't know um a total of seven bodies were finally found um but a lot of them have so half haven't been found he was in uh, he wasn't um charged with 14 counts of first degree murder um and two counts of attempted assassination um and his voice had been recognized by Maritza Diaz um, and that she had been raped by him previously before he had started killing. So he was sentenced to 40 years in prison and, um, and he lives in Arica's high security jail. He tried to appeal his sentence, but um, they, they denied his appeals. And he did try to kill himself at one point. Um, he hanged himself from a shoelace that he coiled around his neck. Um, and, but he did not die. He was hospitalized for uh, cerebral hypoxia, which is, you know, suffocation. And um, then he was, he got his security increased. Um, and he now was, he then was in 2011 transferred to Colina, a jail in Colina, whereas he is currently serving his 40 year sentence. And that oh, is monster. the horrifying monster tale of the serial killer. Um, Julio Perez Silva. Poor girls. Yeah. Poor girl. Yeah. The, just babies. And especially like babies. And just be trained trust on that level. I'm from a small town and it wouldn't be that weird to, you know, hitchhike a ride across town. Um, and especially if you're young and no one's educated you on how to be safe. I mean, those poor women. Yeah. I I mean, I'm from a small town. So now that I'm older, I'm almost 30. I would never take a ride from anybody like ever, ever, ever. But being from a small town, maybe if I'm thinking about me when I'm 14, you know, and I need to get somewhere, maybe I'm lost or I think I'm going to be late for school and somebody pulls up. It's really nice. Like, Hey, you know, it, it looks like a taxi. Like, Hey, look, you know, give me a couple bucks. I'll take you to school. I mean, even now, like getting in a taxi is something we do or we did before quarantine all the time. And you just got to trust that this person isn't going to murder you. That it's a real taxi, even if it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, and even now we just order Ubers, which could be any 
person in the world, anybody in the world. So always make sure the profile picture matches your driver guys. And never say your name, never go up to a car and be like, is this for Bethany? No, always, always make sure you check the, or don't go up to this dryer and be like, is this Julio? No, like always check the license plate with the, with the app always. So that's your safety tip to not get serial killed. Thank you for sharing Bethany. That was very sad, but I'm happy that he's been brought to justice now. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know why it's just fascinating to me. Like these humans exist and their compulsion to hurt people. I don't know if this is a weird episode for some people, but I don't know. I, it just fascinates me. And I thought that, Hey, why not dig into serial killers from Chile? Right. I think their crimes are obviously horrific, but their lack of emotion and their lack of guilt is astonishing to me. Yeah, this incapacity to be able to, to empathize. Yeah, right. to empathize with other people and what's going on. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like wearing a mask. Not the same, obviously. Serial, killer, serial killers and people wearing masks, not the same. But, you know, just try to care about other people. Wear your masks. Right. Give a Just shit. Empathy. Yeah, give a shit. Spread some um, love. Yeah. So I want to really, really thank um, our producers, Podcast Pinguino and Diego Rivera, for being just amazing, for making sure we sound good um, and making sure we don't make asses of ourselves all the time. Really, this would not ever work out without those two men sticking their heads together and cuddling late at night while they're while they're editing our stuff. So. Thank we you so much for you. our producers. Um, and make sure you check out for any, for any updated news, chiletoday.cl. They are much more professional than we are. So don't th- they have really talented writers who do a lot of research and editors. And they give all of the updates on Twitter, Facebook, all of that. It's Chile Today. You can follow them. If you want to talk to us, tell us if you have questions about immigration, about anything, where to buy the best sheets. Send us an email, chiletodaypodcast at gmail.com. We'll be happy to read your email unless you say, don't read my email. I'm embarrassed. My name's Jorge or whatever. Um, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And that's, that's that. Stay safe and uh, don't get into vans. Especially not if they're clandestine. Bye. Bye. <laughs>